Welcome to Live Culture. I'm your host, Martha Willette Lewis, and I have David Borowski with me today, who's a curator at Real Artways, and Philandis Thames, who is the artist currently on on show there. Philandis, can you hear me? Oh, yes, I can hear you. Okay, really great, great. And did I pronounce your last name correctly, please? Oh, it's pronounced Thames like the river in England, T-H-A-M-E-S, yes. Thames, Okay. Perfect. Yeah, I saw yeah. it on the on one of your emails, and then I wasn't quite sure, and I asked David. So, um, <laughs> sorry about it's that. Okay. It's delightful well, to have you. you. Your show is called "The Things That Haunt Me Still," and is a kind of multimedia assemblage exhibit about race right. and gender. And I was hoping that it's radio, but I'm hoping that you can kind of describe what people might see or what your work is like. Well, um, let's see. I'll try it. It's tough. It's kind of fun, too, uh, though. Yes. Uh, so my concerns as a practitioner, uh, I'm really concerned with materials. I feel like, um, you know, materials are a way that we document culture um, uh, historically, the things that are left behind, um, the materials that... Um, like archaeologists think of, of, of materials um, and, you know... Everyday objects, of, you mean? Yeah, everyday objects mm-hmm. as kind of like how, how we uh, see history. Mm-hmm. And so I wanted to make a show with the materials that are associated with black bodies throughout the diaspora. So I, I initially uh, became concerned with, uh, like... Coming back to the pictorial space and starting to think about which what kinds of images that I uh, used to be concerned with as a young maker, mm-hmm. and I tried to combine both the materials, the beaded materials uh, that I was really, uh, uh, you know, looked at the images rather uh, from my childhood and um, uh, the, the things that were that drove me to looking at the pictorial space, mm-hmm. and I started uh, dissecting um, what what things were relevant when I first became a young maker, and uh, I started thinking about the the events and how those events affected me, uh, advertisement obviously, and um, I I played a lot of basketball, <laughs> and so. Uh, I started making work around those subjects and trying to tie in uh, the commodification of the black body mm-hmm. and tr- uh, issues around trauma, uh, patriarchy and hypermasculinity, and also surveillance. Right. Um, in that work. So, so how do you? Th- how uh, do you? So, some of the pieces. I, there's a lot about hair as well. You have hairbrushes with hair in them that, right, that spell right, right. words, um, and the beads. Are they? Are they hair beads? Yes, they are hair beads. Yeah. Well, the hairbrushes themselves, uh, um, I started thinking about, like, the prison industrial complex. Mm-hmm. And the hairbrushes were, when I, when I was a young maker, I had uh, two cousins that were in jail. And I had a letter from 
one of them, uh, and at the beginning, it wasn't intended specifically for me, but it was like for the family. And uh, the uh, hairbrush itself was a thing that was something that was asked for, mm -hmm. a, a request. And I just remember going to, uh, you know, picking up this box of stuff to go visit a cousin in jail when I was a kid and uh, uh, having to take this hairbrush. Later, I found out that they're often used as uh, currency in the prison industrial complex. Oh, interesting. And so Interesting. Yes, yes. Is that where the title for the show comes from, The Things That Haunt Me Still? It's a kind of nostal—not nostalgic, but it's a looking back at at the the, the images that— and the objects that that started you off as an artist. Well, um, so I have a uh, a fellow poet, uh, Dwayne uh, Betts. He wrote a book called Felon, and um, it's a book of book of poems. And um, David chose the title uh, from that book, um, and I guess that's. I mean, it really. Uh, resonated with me mm -hmm. um i had skipped over uh like I, that pa that passage was there in my head but i had uh, completely forgotten about it and he brought it up to me hmm. in a conversation it seems yeah. um particularly appropriate for for these covid times where we're alone a lot more and doing a lot more introspection um i know that I've been thinking a lot about my past and who I am and what I am and why I am what I am <laughs> a lot more than I right, normally, right. I think, would. It's not a favorite topic of mine. Um, I find it difficult. So uh, the, the, the title seems sort of right on the money for right now. Um, I noticed— It's definitely apropos. Yeah, yeah. And so just to describe to listeners, um, the, the bead pieces are— portraits of people and and david you described them as pixelated at one point the the beads become like the individual units um but they're also strands like beaded curtains that you could walk through um right 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 well I, the beaded curtains are uh, i so as a kid uh, growing up uh the post-civil rights movement period i wanted to uh, create images out of the material that could reference that time period, really. Mm -hmm. um, and the the content, like, so I'm also concerned with the notion of having a material that would reference a black pixel. And uh, I think we see things in pixels uh, in terms of how we communicate and uh, how images are passed on mm -hmm. in contemporary society. So I, I really thought that that material would, would uh, function as kind of a black pixel, and the images that are, uh, like, for instance, the, um, the Mike Tyson piece and the uh, Don King piece, I um, wrote an algorithm, uh, hand, you know, handwritten algorithm, um, to create an image that would kind of function as surveillance footage. Mm -hmm. Yeah, right. they're very up close, and, and they, they appear to be very photographic, and then I assume that if the curtain moves at all, that, that shifts it and breaks it up. It's like static. Yes, absolutely. Absolutely. So, and then, uh, of course, in the center of the exhibition, I have that, um, the pleasure piece. I love that one. Uh, I want, <laughs> what's that? I'm sorry. I love that one. Oh, thank you. Thank you. Thank you. And that so one, can you walk through actually... that? Are you allowed, is one allowed to yes, pass through it? Yeah. yeah. Yes, certainly. Certainly. 
Um, and okay, so I generally say don't touch, but uh, <laughs> that one is designed so it could uh, it could withstand people walking through it. The other ones are mounted yeah. on the wall. David, in terms of mounting this exhibit and and presenting Philandis's work, um, what were your what were your guiding principles? What were your thoughts about that? Uh, the flow of it and so forth. Yeah, initially, uh, I, probably like two and a half years ago, I became aware of his work. And um, David, I'm not I'm not hearing you. Um, hmm. Okay, hang on a second. I'm going to fix that. I'm going to keep talking to Philandis while I try to fix that. Well, I will answer one thing for David. Um, when he initially approached me about doing a show, mm -hmm. the work that he initially decided to mount is very different than the work that uh, wound up being um, present. And um, we, the exhibition came together, I guess it's been, like he and I have been in conversation for right at a year and a half, maybe two years about doing this exhibition. Mm -hmm. And then of yeah. course COVID hit, which pushed the exhibition out even further. I had very different work uh, during that time period that he and I uh, initially started the conversation about uh, mounting. It was more it was more focused on uh, hyper masculinity, mm -hmm. and uh, and I was using uh, Mike Tyson. And there's what, like I said, there's one or two images of Mike Tyson in that exhibition. But it's like I use that uh, that particular uh, way to talk about these issues of trauma and so on and so forth. And he really was compelled by that work. Mm -hmm. And uh, do you have him yet? Yeah, yeah, Sorry, yeah. If I'm so get closer to the okay. mic. Okay, right. there we go. There we go. Is that better? Yeah. yeah I, um, so when go. I first saw the work, yeah, it was like two and a half years ago, remember, and they were bead pieces and portraits, and I remember the Mike Tyson one, and um, that got me initially interested, of course, and then I started following his work and all. And um, But for this show, so I still... I still drawn mostly to the beads but i like you know now i've seen more and more like uh, so the the show be, be, is focused kind of on beads but it is i think a a good sampling of other the other types of work that philandis is interested in so there's the one of the brush pieces there's a couple of basketball pieces so i mean you know i think that it, i think it, it laid out really well and gives a nice a really nice uh introduction to his work yeah. so there's a real rapport between both of your artwork in the sense that you both use words as images mm. um yeah and, I, was, I mean i'm always attracted everyday objects uh, yeah. drawn to text pieces too mm -hmm. so that was that made it easy there too so i'm assuming yeah. that what shifted the conceptual framework of the exhibit is both covid and what's been going on in the united states with the whole black lives matter movement and the attempt by uh, I don't even know what to call them the the capital attacks and and all of oh, yeah. the uh, yeah. attacks on our democracy um, I'm assuming that that's what drove the change in in the exhibit well to me too I think the images that that are up there are more historic but it shows that after all these years nothing's changed if anything yeah got worse i mean you got right. Anita Hill, things who have was definitely gotten humiliated yeah. in that in her the briefing you got rodney king got his ass beat i mean you know right tyson went to jail for rape when mm -hmm. michael kennedy didn't and they both right. basically did the same thing at the same time you know so so let's talk about who the pictures are of um Thalandis, do you want to talk about why and who and and what because it's, it's you have very interesting choices i was pleased to see anita hill actually mm. nice no, oh, okay. So, 
uh, without giving out too much information. Because um, mm-hmm. we well, want people to go see it. Anita, yeah. Yes, 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 yes. <laughs> uh, Anita Hill um, is actually, she, she is a stand-in for my mom. Mm-hmm. Oh, interesting. Um, okay. Uh, yes, because um, my mother started uh, her professional life, and she had an encounter where uh, it was similar to her uh, Nita Hill story. Mm-hmm. And instead of uh, telling my father, and she told me this, uh, when Brett Kavanaugh was on trial, I had flown home for something or another um, uh, in August of whatever year that was, four years ago. It seems like a lifetime ago. And I was sitting with my mom, and I, I'm from Mississippi, so the, the viewers will probably hear the accent. Mm-hmm. But, um, a little bit, um, yeah. Um, I'm sitting. I was sitting uh, with my mother, and uh, she said that happened to me, and I know <gasps> that guy did it. Yes, and wow. then she never told me or my like she never told my father. Right. And I asked her why she didn't tell my father. She said, "Well, I just had your uh, brother, and had just started working, and I felt I didn't want to go see your father in prison." Right. So, right. Um, it would so only hurt him. It, 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 Right, exactly. And then the choice to use Rodney King, of course, we, there's a long history of uh, uh, trauma with African-American males and the police, mm-hmm. the prison industrial complex, and so on and so forth. And uh, I just wanted to make an image uh, or choose an image that uh, could ta- speak to that. And I chose to use the colors red, black, and green to talk, talk to the longer history of that. Also, there's an um, image of me that I decided to reauthor at the, um, at the, to the left when you first walk in. Mm-hmm. It's the first photograph ever taken of me by oh. anyone that wasn't um, um, white. Mm-hmm. I mean, that was black, rather. So, yeah. And um, there, are there any basketball-related pieces? Oh, yes. Uh, there uh the uh, basketball hoops are um, are taken um, like so. I tried to flatten the plane. Mm-hmm. I'm using also beads with them, um, but uh, flatten the plane of a uh, of a disco ball. And one uh, there's a, a. I thought that's a, what that. Uh, I only frame. saw it in the photograph, but that's what I thought it looked like. Yeah, it had a kind of glittery quality. Yes. And so I was trying to connect the uh, references of 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 black male bodies to, uh, you know, having uh, this kind of um, uh, historical framing of why black bodies were brought to this country mm-hmm. uh, for pleasure and leisure uh, and labor um, and traded for uh, often uh, black bodies were uh, brought here uh, based on a trade of alcohol mm-hmm. and the long uh, history of uh, black males being uh um, dealing with that trauma, using alcohol to wash it away. And then there's the uh, timbres from, I mean, the, uh, the jingles from tambourines that are in that piece as well. And then the uh, larger, the nine-foot-long basketball hoop uh, that is in the hoop, it's, a, it's more or less a wave. So there's the uh, trip entendre of, of uh, that phrase, uh, the motion in the ocean. There's that references, um, you know, black male virility, and um, 
there's also the notion of having uh, waves in your hair, and mm -hmm. then, of course, the transatlantic slave trade that brought right. us here. Yeah, the ocean voyage is, is what I thought when you were talking about that. Mm -hmm. um, yes, yes, yes. The difficult and unpleasant ocean voyage. Um, so is all of this work relatively new then? Is this, is. is this just sort of hot off the press? Have you been really busy yes, since? All but one. Yeah. Right up yeah. to the last day yeah. of the install. <laughs> really? Okay, tell me about that. Yes. Well, the wave piece was uh, just because of the logistics and Flanders getting it welded and trying mm -hmm. to paint it before he got there. I, right, uh, so the paint was drying <clears throat> as it was being yeah, clamped yeah. up on I the wall? Yeah, I touched it up, too. I mean, I had to because it was, you know, just after hanging it and stuff, too. But but that piece, to, that to me is, like, I saw that piece and was just blown away. That's my favorite piece in the show, really, at this point. And um, there was going to be something else on that wall, mm -hmm. another brush piece. And I said, this is, owns this wall. You're going to have yeah. just the one piece. I mean, if you and you have seen some of my previous shows, I, I tend not to overstuff a gallery. No, you're a minimalist. <clears throat> I, you know, yeah. And then you there's like more room to breathe and to think about the work. And mm -hmm. so that piece just owns it. You know, going back to the title, there's actually, over the years, uh, so that book, Felon, I saw on uh, Philandis's Instagram, he had mm -hmm. the book. And I've bought a lot of books that I, friends of mine online have done that I would never have known about. So I right. bought the book, and it was, and I'm not super big on poetry, but the way it's written, it was just so intense, especially all the talking about a prison experience. And when I saw that line, like uh, Flannis was talking, I thought it'd make a great title for a show. Because to me, the titles need to be, they're more more—they're important, too. Right? I think they're very important. So I usually movement. spend a lot of time thinking about the titles, mm -hmm. and then I get, like, one or two, and then I offer it to the artist. What do you mm -hmm. think of these? You know. So yeah, luckily, we agreed on that one. And uh, the thing that worked out well is the lighting in the show. There's lots of shadows, and I think that that plays, actually then draws more attention to the word haunt, you know? Right. Because it is kind of, it's, right. you know, the lighting has made the show, you know, very, I think, stark, but yet, like, spooky you know what i mean in a sense where it's like you know there's that haunting it's is this you know f future and past and all it's it's you know so the whole thing just like totally works i well, would say it's one of the best shows you know that i've had the pleasure and honor of being part of you know that's great that's it's good to have some good news at, at this moment so yeah. i i just wanted to say that it's probably even more haunting because you the gallery is no longer packed with people in mm. the past. Real Artways has had sort of jammed events and lots and lots of yeah. people. And now, presumably, people go in kind of one at a time and are experiencing the works on a one-on-one -on -one basis. Yeah. Um, and, and that's why I was able to do the, the um, put the, the pleasure piece in the middle like that. Cause right, because people normally, aren't going to trip over it anymore. Right, because normally they would use that room for events and rent right. it out. So, they, I mean, it was, when I did couple times put sculptures in there that was a little bit frowned upon and you yeah. know i gotta take you know that's one important part of their you know funding puzzle so right i have to honor that obviously but right. with no events coming up i was able to uh you know have that piece in the middle especially when Flanders said it the potential to walk through it is there so it needed to be out enough for someone to be able to walk through it so the the book of poetry felon yes uh is that available online yeah, I think I just got yeah, it through Amazon. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, it's great, though. Really um, so I, I'm interested in I, poetry also seems like the correct medium for this COVID 
in mm. uh, moment or this quarantine time. I know when I when it first happened, I had a lot of trouble concentrating, and I'm not the only mm. one. And that short bits of something were kind of but pithy. I wanted something to kind of roll around in my head, and poetry for the first time <laughs> seemed like yes, this right. is it. This is it. And I I've talked to a number of people about this, and they're like, yeah. So we've been sharing poems back and forth, and I have a friend who has an email that goes out every morning where he shares a poem and mm. it suddenly feels incredibly relevant and like, yeah, it's the, kind of the thought for the day. Mm. Um, so I, I feel like it, it you, you probably have m more of an audience uh, f for the, the poetry and that it kind of resonates more with people than it, that might have otherwise. Yeah. Um, I don't know why in the past poetry has a kind of, I wouldn't say stigma about it, but it 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 feels um, it's not like something that people ordinarily would read, mm. Um, mm. which is too bad because it's well. <laughs> it, it's wonderful. I mean, yeah. I prefer well, to read it than the exhibition to read a little bit. <laughs> mm. So how is how is the poetry put into the exhibit? Oh, just um, the blues. Mm -hmm. um, I, 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 the relationship to the materials to the subject of the mm -hmm. poetry, right? Right. And so um, uh, that that one hairbrush piece, uh, nobody loved me but my mama, and she might be jiving too. Mm -hmm. I mean, that's poetry. It is. Mm -hmm. <laughs> it is. Yeah. 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 Well, uh, Phoebe King, like one of the high uh, uh, priests of, of uh, Mississippi blues culture, but, uh, you know, I think it sums up a, a lot of things uh, as it, it – um, as we consider a black bodies, uh, mm -hmm. you know, yeah. So did, can I ask you a personal question? Is that, is that your sure. hair in the hairbrushes? No, there's no hair in the hairbrush. Those are not, that, no, I thought the words new. were actually made out of. They're cut out. Actually. Oh, they're cut out. Okay. I'm misunderstanding no, I, the, actually, the image. Actually, I plucked them out. Oh, I plucked, plucked them out. Okay. I misunderstood yeah. the image. I assumed that it was bits of hair yeah. and maybe it's because no. my, my own hair when I brush my hair <laughs> comes out in <laughs> large clumps um, so I, I yeah. have you know it's the bristles it's the actually. bristles yeah. okay oh that's different yeah. all right well I didn't I didn't want the uh, voodoo lady to get a hold to my uh, hair so <laughs> yeah no I know you don't want to hand out fingernail clippings hair none of that right right none right. of that I just want to say for listeners who are just tuning in you were listening to WPKN 89.5 FM and streaming online at WPKN.org this is live culture a monthly program about visual art I'm Martha Willette Lewis the host and I'm talking to Philandis Thames and David Borowski about the exhibit The Things That Haunt Me Still. David was the curator and Philandis is the artist. And the show is up now until uh, the middle mm -hmm. of April. Middle of April? Bit, yeah. Real and, Art Ways, 56 Arbor Street in Hartford, Connecticut. And is it actually, it is open to the public at this point? Yes, because uh, Real Artways also has a movie there, which mm -hmm. shows some very unique and, and interesting films that you wouldn't see like at a cineplex. And they have reopened with limited um, seating, and they get, you have to make a, 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 in a sense, you buy your ticket online and you're assigned a seat, so there's plenty of spacing. So they're open, there's, whenever there's movies, so basically Thursday through Sunday, the gallery's open as well. So And so could one just walk go. in without going yes, a movie ticket? absolutely. Okay. But okay. that's, but it coordinates with it being open for the movies. But, right. Uh, but yes, you can definitely go and just, just see the art. Yeah, there's two, 
three other shows at the moment too in different there's actually four gallery spaces uh, okay Flanders show is in the main main room right and then there's uh, two other shows up one's a third one is is in process of being installed but their real art ways does a program called the real art awards mm -hmm. and they choose five or six artists each year and give them a show and uh and some money so it's, it's a great program. So that is fantastic. So that's what's in the other spaces right now are the, the winners of that of those uh, awards. That's great. And the space is large and I assume mm. very well ventilated. I would oh, feel yeah. safe going there <laughs> yeah. relative to other spaces. It's, it's not. Uh, yeah, 16 or 18 foot ceilings. So. Yeah, yeah. <clears throat> so that's, right. give, can you give the address again? 56 Arbor Street okay. in Hartford. That's actually in what's called the Parkville neighborhood. Mm -hmm. And. If one looks online, can you see? You can see some images of the exhibit, but there's not a virtual tour. Not, not at this point. Yes. Yeah. I mean, we put some up afterward, but again, I don't. Especially for shows that I curate, I don't like sneak peeks and, and too many images making the rounds because some people will say, "Oh, yeah, I saw it already," and they won't make the effort. And it's not the same. No, um, it's not. You yeah. need to see it in person. And I, I don't plan to post images on social media to the very end, actually. Right. <laughs> Me neither. Really? So you're both feeling that, that it's possible to come and see this and that... that yeah. Yeah. Because, I mean, oh, I think absolutely. this is, yeah. this is a big clear. issue right now because there are some people who really feel like they can't leave. And so having it virtually be present yeah. would be important. You'd probably get... You know more people to see it well from and from further away which is mm -hmm. possible but you know again i think that you know this the the ideal is to strive for in person you know right and so i uh, you know i mean it's there's free parking they have their own parking lot you know you can actually take uh the train and then get off take the bus with that hartford has called fast track it drops mm -hmm. off like a block from the gallery so and philandis access yeah is this the only exhibit you have now or is are you working on other well, things as well you have I, a I am working on other things but i'm currently in a show at the mississippi museum of art that has um it's about 200 years of history mm -hmm. um, um next to my work there is uh adjacent to uh one of my old professors at yale uh, bob reed who oh, yeah. died a few years back mm -hmm. yeah uh which was very serendipitous for me. That's, and uh, that's nice. across from Rico Gatson as well. Oh, but yeah, I'm I love his work. Yes, yes. And then, uh, so I'm working on um, work for a show in Paris at 193 Gallery. Mm -hmm. I'm working on uh, a curation project. Um, also, um, the Virginia Museum of Art. Uh, I have a piece that's going to go there for their, the Dirty South uh, show that's based on um, southern hip-hop culture. Oh, cool. And, uh, and when does that from, open? Uh, that opens in um, mid-April. Oh, great. So and, you, you're able to uh, look forward to the future. Um, you've no, already absolutely. made that step. <laughs> you're thinking <laughs> right, ahead. Right, right. I mean, because I think that's yeah. one of the hard things about the now is I know lots of people are busily making work, um, but, but actually planning ahead has been very difficult. But museum shows oh, require that one does it, you know, quite a bit in advance, so you still have to do it. Um, do you find that tricky or not? Um, well, r right in through here, um, I just generally wait till opportunities come to me. Mm -hmm. <laughs> like, I've, like, lately, I've, I've been less about um, uh, trying to uh, approach people about opportunities. 
Uh, I know uh, a lot of artists are are, are generally uh, out there trying to promote and stuff. I have a, a family, and that's generally what I look forward to every day. I just make things. Mm-hmm. And so um, I haven't really been thinking about uh, showing a whole lot in the last few years, just really concentrating on trying to, uh, you know, uh, find the right subject matter to tie to the materials that I'm using. Mm-hmm. I wanted to yeah. I wanted to ask a little bit more about the bead pieces that are on the wall that you can't walk sure. through. Um, because, well, well, sometimes subjects are dense and you can't, uh, you know, you can't uh, penetrate them. I want right, that it's to an be impenetrable. a part of the work as well. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So it, it, it does suggest, yes, and it makes it, makes it almost more like windows. Right, 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 right. Uh, can you yeah. talk about the, the crafting process for your work a little oh, bit? Uh, it's if you've got a lot of laborious uh, handwork, so I'm really interested in that. And, and there's a lot <laughs> of listeners, um, a lot of listeners to live culture are artists themselves, and we like talking about making things. <laughs> <laughs> right, right, right. So, okay. So the, the beating uh, in my work uh, just kind of, happened over a course of, of many years. I've always wanted to use that material mm-hmm. in my studio practice. And so I had to figure out a strategy to make the work uh, and make it work for the kinds of things I wanted to do. And I really felt that uh, if I w- was going to go back to a pictorial space, I would I would have to figure out how to incorporate those in. I originally was using uh, hair barrettes, and uh, it didn't have the same sort of impact um, with glue and hair barrettes. And then I started uh, experimenting over a course of maybe three years before uh, I started feeling comfortable enough to actually show that work. Uh, so I generally plan these out. Uh, I make drawings of them. Uh, the, the, in fact, the one that's uh, of me uh, with the, the self-portrait, I started drawing that self-portrait from memory and oh. my, um, uh, on a trip to Paris, like just drawing, making different images of, of, of myself and trying to figure out, like, like drawing photographs from memory, just mm-hmm. trying to figure out the pictorial space and how the composition would sit. And then, um, so... I built the looms. I initially built a few looms and uh, trying to um, figure out the spacing of the beads, measuring Mm -hmm. off the space of the beads. And I figured out that you can't use uh, multiple brands of beads if you're going to make something precise. So then I had to figure out like a way of getting, gathering a lot of different beads at once. And initially my process was about like gathering the, the, the interaction between going to uh, places where black people shop for things, uh, particularly hair products and things mm-hmm. like that, and figure out like where, who, what uh, 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 company sold the beads and figure out where those, sto- those stores were that carried those at the exact same beads mm-hmm. because I didn't want to buy that stuff wholesale. So there's a kind of performative aspect of the work as well. That and, sounds kind of um, fun, actually. And, that part it of it. Is, it is. Yeah. It is. You, be, you begin to build relationships mm-hmm. with uh, store owners. Like I have relationships with store owners 
from uh, here in the greater New Haven area mm-hmm. to uh, Harlem. That's great. <laughs> but, That's uh, great. Yes, yes, yes. And then so, um, like, figuring that part of it out in terms of the different size of beads, sizes of beads and things like that was important. And then uh, just remem- remembering, like, it di- didn't have to be absolutely perfect. Like, the colors didn't have to match. And thinking of the colors as, uh, like, how you would paint something, mm-hmm. like, adjacencies of materials, I mean, colors, rather, uh, like, the eye would put that stuff together. So the Yeah, person it would, optically uh, blends it. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, exactly, exactly. And so... Um, yeah, those are a few of the things I thought about as I was making this work. So not to give um, it's too, laborious. It is laborious, and how how big are they? Like how long is the each each strand? The um, the Anita oh, Hill so, piece is about six feet. Right. High. So yeah. Yeah, it's a, it's a little. Piece. Yeah, just above six feet. Yeah, and then uh, the um, the uh, uh, pleasure piece is mm. eight feet wide uh, by a, like six foot four or so. Yeah, with three six feet. Yeah, and that one's on a frame like itself. a like a soccer uh, goal yes, frame yes, kind yes. of. Well, I, I kind of thought of it like uh, well, initially I wanted to do it in aluminum, mm-hmm. and uh, the the welder didn't have time to build that, and so I just had to go ahead and and get it out into the public. But it it um, um, it's a little beat up and kind of like those old advertisements. So I thought, hey, that would function well too. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Like a billboard. Yeah. 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 Right. Um, Martha, do you yeah. recognize the word pleasure? Do you know where that where it's from? Alive with pleasure. It's, it's, it's right. Yeah. yeah, it's cigarette ads, yeah. and it's so it's so not to give too much away, but it's 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 beautiful. It's a sort of bright green with the mm. orange pleasure, which is and it's that typeface that they used to use, which oh, it's exactly looks a little that. bit like right. Cooper. Cooper Bold, Cooper Bold <laughs> right? Yeah, yeah. I like Cooper Bold. Um, I've used it for the radio station. In fact, when I want something to have a slightly nostalgic look to it. Um, <laughs> I've worked in advertisement for a bit earlier in my career. So. Uh-huh. <laughs> yes. <laughs> yeah. Uh, so, what made you choose that? Is it because it was marketed oh, um, largely to to black audiences? African Americans. Yeah. Yes, absolutely. And uh, also the association of of uh, black uh, female bodies to pleasure as mm-hmm. well on plantations, right? Uh, tobacco plantations. So, um, yeah. So, I'll. So I wanted the, the viewer, as they're walking through the piece, to become one with the advertisement. Like the the ways of um, the typeface uh, sits to the body as you're coming through. You then become a ad for Newport. Mm-hmm. So it had multiple layers to it. Yeah, you're walking through it, and presumably you can feel it. You're feeling the beads as you pass through it. So a lot of yes. your work looks to me like it, it does address the, the body of the viewer to a great degree, and probably even more so now that people are visiting the gallery with that, you know, on a one-on-one basis, the scale of the work and right. you, the scale of these large faces that come from the media and you, um, and there, right. there. Are, uh, I wanted to talk a little bit more about who. Um, so you've got Don King, you've got yes. um, Mike Tyson. And right. Rodney King, Rodney King, Anita Hill, and Anita Hill, and myself, and yourself, yes. um, and 
Mike Tyson is somebody that you, you've been particularly interested in in the past and have done a lot of works about him. Um, right. and, and the picture that I saw is one where he's, he's um, screaming. He's sort of yelling, right? No, no, no. No? Am I getting uh, that no. wrong? No. This one, this one, he's not yelling. Uh, this it's one is just kind of... More pixelated. Uh, it's more pixelated. Okay. Yeah, it's really pixelated. Yeah. Okay. What I think, uh, subject matter-wise, mm -hmm. is is especially with Anita Hill and Rodney King. Actually, all of They're all, all people from television. But they're all, like, famous. Yeah. But they're... But, they're remembered for the wrong reason. They're famous in a in a yeah. tarnished way. Yes. Well, which, and Don King, right. no. Well, yeah, because he was always in trouble, and he's he oh yeah, I guess ruined, he, yeah. he ruined boxers' he was careers. He's a yeah. shyster. Yeah. 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 So sure. they're all. It's well, but it's it, like. Well, the thing is. Oh, go ahead. Sorry. No, I was going to say I'm is the, the ahead, those your choices are like this is how media treats black people right right it's like make in them, the media the right. ones you make them famous for the for bad reasons like let's remember how bad oh tyson went to prison for right. rape you know it's like you know it's just like, why don't we celebrate you know media should be celebrating everybody but right. it's not how it when works also there, there, there's society. a very kind of like up close mm -hmm. um and that's what you were talking about with the surveillance part of this these are really like up right. close in your face pictures of people um, sort of inappropriately close. Well, even Anita yeah. Hill. I mean, you don't remember <laughs> that she was a brilliant lawyer. You just, oh, I know. No, it no, was no. like, so oh, there's a hair in her coke can. Right, you know what I mean? It's, right. Come on, really. Yeah. <clears throat> right. Well, uh, also, I mean, we think about the le the legacy of Kobe Kobe Bryant. What's the first thing people said? He raped that woman in Colorado. Yeah. Right. <laughs> right. Right. So. That that came out immediately after he died. That they wanted to erase him from history. Right. And uh, let's let's talk. I'm putting these things into your face so we can actually talk about them. Mm -hmm. That's the intentions of the work. But I'm not trying to create a narrative. I I try to eliminate narratives in the work uh, as much as possible. So uh, there is nothing connective between each of, with, with the exception of Don King and Mike Tyson, my intentions for using those images um, were uh, there's no real connection between the usage of those images mm -hmm. and can, in relationship to each other. So I didn't want people to come in to be like, oh, what, who is this? Per like immediately know who the person was. Right, you know? right. I when you want to leave like, room, room <laughs> presumably for the yeah. viewer to think it through for themselves rather than telling the viewer something. Right, right, right. Well, that's the intentions of the work. I mean, um, people come in with their um, their set ideas about how the world functions and their their internal narratives, and I want them to come in to like to be uh, like um, like to come into the work and be first seduced by the material. Yeah. And figure out who the person is, then right. and have that set of ideas about them in their head. Uh, and be overwhelmed by the the authorship of the work and that sort of thing, you mm -hmm. know. And um, and then once the message hits them, I'm point like these materials. I'm really saying that this stuff is beautiful too, right? It will, and yeah, like, yeah. Like the, and let's let's make work. Of, let's let's make a resting work that is beautiful and seductive 
and then you're, it's then uh, like an anglerfish, it kills you. <laughs> <laughs> On that note, I just want to say you are listening to WPKN <laughs> 89.5 FM and streaming online at WPKN.org. We are your community radio station. This is Live Culture, a monthly program about art, visual art, and I'm the host, Martha Willette Lewis, and I'm here with Philandis Thames, who is the artist at Real Artways right now. His exhibit, uh, The Things That Haunt Me Still, is up right now. And I have David Borowski, who is the curator of that exhibit, with me as well. And we only have a few more minutes left. David, this is, you've been on the show multiple times. Yeah, I have, actually. Yeah. We were just talking about that before <laughs> this started. What, this is your third time on yeah, the show? Third yeah, third time, yeah. And this is yeah. Philantis's first, but I hope not I last time. I haven't worn it out yet, so <laughs> I haven't worn out my welcome. So, <laughs> I, I liked what you said about the, the lionfish there, um, because the, your work has, there's, they're colorful and tactile and very witty, um, and you do kind of want to touch um, all of the materials, like there's things that are shiny. Oh, and, yeah, I know, <laughs> I know, but there's things that are, like, you want to, um, or one I do, um, just because of, of the nature of the materials that you choose. Um, right. And I think that really does draw people in. You talked about humor in, in the, uh, your use of humor in the uh, artist statement that I read as well, which I think is a great way to kind of get people in or playful use of materials. Um, you know, I think there's uh, what I am stru was struck by from the beginning and obviously all these times talking to Flanders is there's there's similarities in the way we think about working I mean I'm an artist too so mm -hmm. but it's like as far as having an image like if somebody doesn't know that that's Anita Hill that doesn't mean they're still not going to engage the piece but once you know who right. it is right. then you can't unknow it you know right. what I mean so I like doing that too I put an image and if you get it you get it if you don't then it, the whole your interpretation is totally different and the same thing with the pleasure piece. Yes, you can walk through it, but there's nothing that says you can. So it almost leaves it up to the person is like, should I? I w yeah, see, I wouldn't know whether I, I'm... <clears throat> right. Well, some people, because when I do these, I do these four pieces with, with tape and text, and I never tell anybody you can or can't walk on it. It's up mm -hmm. to you. So some people will just walk right in, and others, like, stand back, and, like, they don't know if they should. And, and I that tension is, is fun, though. It really is. And I feel that same thing with, with the pleasure curtain. It's like, I mean, I know, and Philanis has said, yes, walk through it, but if we don't tell anybody, then it becomes this personal decision, you know? Right, and and maybe they're going to sneak walk through it. Right, because right? they don't know if they should, <laughs> but that's okay. That adds a yeah. little tension, a, a little, little tension little to little the fun. thing. Yeah. yeah. So I wonder about how many um, younger people in particular would know about that reference, and I imagine that they would be shocked to see most of these cigarette ads now. Mm. Um I'm remembering also the Tarryton ones that had people walking around with black eyes. Yes, um, <laughs> they'd rather fight than switch. Rather fight than switch, and the, but the the uh, live with pleasure ones always showed people kind of hanging around in waterfalls and things like that, mm. like these idealist, right, right. idealistic, uh, you know, sort of vacation settings. Smoking a cigarette is like a vacation. <laughs> yeah, well, we all know the history of of the cigarette in America and mm -hmm. how um, they literally gave cigarettes in World War One and World War Two, and uh, also in Vietnam to curb the, av the appetite of uh, the soldiers because mm -hmm. they didn't have enough food. Right. And they'd come home addicted and 
you know, so on and so forth. Um, my father actually um, died of lung cancer, and my uh, both my grandfathers died of complications with lung cancer. Uh, so uh, some of these pieces for me um, are, you know, a way without giving out too much mm-hmm. is, is a way to connect back to my childhood and particularly my family. See, that is interesting to me that that this has it it has such a personal aspect to it to you um and that it is sort of looking back and i mean it says it all in the title um but that it also has so many pop culture references or media references and and kind of the way that we're manipulated by the media in different ways connecticut of course was hugely implicated in the tobacco industry tobacco industry yeah yeah. as i understand it the leaves from connecticut tobacco um, are the wrapper for almost all Cuban cigars, which I just find bizarre right. as an idea. <laughs> right, right, right. I, know that. I also yeah. read uh, that um, they used to um, recruit guys that were going into college um, from the South or had gone into their sophomore year uh, to come up uh, from historically black colleges to mm-hmm. um, uh, participate in the either picking the kind of cotton they had here or the tobacco that they had here. In fact, I heard that Martin King um, uh, came up to pick cotton. Here? Um, when he was, yes. Uh, I've, some, I've heard a radio show uh, on Connecticut Public Radio where mm-hmm. he'd come up uh, either his sophomore year or his freshman year to make a little extra money before right. he went to college. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And you were talking about the hair, bringing the hairbrush to prison uh, to see your uncle. Right. Um, but I was no, also no, no, thi- cousin. Cousin, sorry, excuse me. Yeah. And I was also thinking that that uh, cigarettes are a common thing to In prisons, right? right to yeah. bring to prisons and Absolutely. a kind of currency. Um, yeah. Not anymore, though. I heard they got rid of that. You're not. Are you not allowed to smoke in prison? No, no, no. Interesting. Hmm. I wonder if everybody's using patches instead. Nicorette <laughs> <Yeah>. um, <laughs> gum. Nicorette gum is the new <laughs> the new currency. <laughs> I'm interested in hairbrushes yeah. being a currency. Um, that is not one that I would have guessed. Mm. So, yes. you have multiple hairbrush pieces because I looked on your website, and you um, you also have a curious logo. You have your eyeglasses as your yes. logo. <laughs> Uh, did you yes, design yes, that? Yes. Is that does that partly come out of your advertising background? Oh yes, I designed the logo. But um, like, I I worked in architecture for a while for like six years. I, uh, you know, so I I'm a huge fan of Philip uh, Johnson and yeah, um, uh, he designed those glasses I guess for me, and I saw some once when I was in Italy. Uh, before uh, I graduated, uh, uh, before I went to grad school, mm-hmm. and I, I bought them and brought them back, and never had the courage to wear them. To be perfectly <laughs> honest with you, <laughs> after I left graduate school, I was like, you know what? I'm gonna I'm gonna put these things on, and mm-hmm. I, I fell in love with them. You know. But now that you've made the logo that is you, you can never take them off. <laughs> oh, I don't have them on right now. <laughs> Yeah, I should be wearing my glasses, but mm-hmm. oh well. <laughs> no, but I thought it was interesting that you you are somebody who's working with things that are 
ordinary objects out in the world that are kind of designed accessories, like hairbrushes and, well, and beads and then glasses and barrettes and things like that, the things that one right. adorns or uses for personal adornment. Um, and I thought that was... That well, was there's also the history of, uh, of black uh, people... Uh, accessorizing the accessory. Uh -huh. you look at those uh, those ornate cars and yes. uh, you know the way Southern um, some Southern people decorate the smallest thing, you mm -hmm. know, and uh, make it and personalize it, and how um, we get dressed up for church on a Sunday and yeah. um, with hats and you know just a thousand accessories. Which is a kind uh, of act of making hand. art. Yeah. It's a yes, work of art. It is. That's, that's a performative mm -hmm. uh, thing. Uh, Absolutely. So I, I wanted to tap into that history as well as I make uh, uh, these art gestures, you know, or interventions. There is something lo yep. lovely about taking bits of the real world and and make giving them expanded meanings by by juxtaposing them or, or doing different things to them like carving into them um and I, especially like with the brushes i mean i mean at first you thought they were hair but i mean they're basically objects with a specific purpose that have never achieved that purpose right and they're, they're incredibly tactile and, you know, yes. with, the, with the bristles yeah. yeah yeah so you that's like taking objects out of their manufactured context is mm -hmm. really an important part of art Think, right, anyway. right. Taking the mass Having, produced and, and making it your and own. And you look at it differently then because you have this of like, well, this is what it's for. But now I'm looking at it in a gallery, a museum. It's like I have to think of it in another way now. You know? mm -hmm. Recontextualizing it. Mm. Well, we're running out of time. So I want to thank you both. Uh, my guests today have been Philandis Thames and David Borowski. Uh, Philandis's show, The Things That Haunt Me Still, is up at Real Artways right now. <laughs> David, when is it up till? At this point, April 18th. Okay. You know, depending on things, uh, we may extend it, we, you know, but it's at right. least till then, yeah. Yeah, and can you um, please give us the address and the website? Yeah, so it's realartways.org, mm -hmm. and they're at 56 Arbor Street in Hartford, in the okay. Parkville section of Hartford. Okay, great. And Philandis, do you have a website? Yes, it's philandustams.com, mm -hmm. F-E-L-A-N-D-U-S-T-H-A-M-E-S.com, or just philandus.com. Ooh, um, yeah, that's great. Yes. That's great. Yes. Well, I want to thank you both so much for being on Live Culture. It's been really lovely talking to both of you. Thanks and the show looks me. fantastic, so congratulations. Thank you. Thanks. Thanks so much. I'll be there tomorrow if anyone wants to uh, walk through with me. Oh, wonderful. Oh, cool. What time will you be there? Um, Approximately. I, I don't know. Okay. <laughs> I don't know. I have undecided. I have small kids. Yeah. yeah. But, uh, don't put yourself in a corner. Don't. Okay. Don't let it. Right, exactly. All right. <laughs> so randomly show up there, and Philandus may be there or Might not. There. Okay. Well, thank you both. I'll be there in spirit either way. <laughs> <laughs> Terrific. Thank you both so right. much. Live culture will thank be back you. again. Uh, next month, the final Saturday of the month from 11 to 12 noon, and of course it is only on WPKN.org. It will be up on the archive for two weeks, listenable on demand at WPKN.org. Look for the archive button, pick the date, which is today, and you will see it up there. And then afterwards, 
in about a week or so when I when I do it, um, it will be made into a podcast, which goes up on our SoundCloud page, and that is listenable pretty much forever. Cool. Um, so I encourage you to look at all of the many, many uh, podcasts that are up on, on SoundCloud in the live culture um, playlist because we've had many, many conversations over the years, including several with David. <laughs> so anyway, thank you, and I'm going to just uh, put some music on and say goodbye. Thanks, Mark. Bye-bye. 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 Thank you. Bye, Philandis. Bye, Philandis. in black history. February 27, 1872, Charlotte E. Ray was the first African-American female lawyer in the United States. Ray graduated from Howard University School of Law and was admitted to the District of Columbia Bar that same year. She was also one of the first women to be admitted to the D.C. Bar. Following her graduation, Ray started her own law office. Ray was a member of the National Association of Colored Women. She died in New York in 1911. Support. On this day in black history, February 27, 1872, Charlotte E. Ray was the first African-American female lawyer in the United States. Ray graduated from Howard University School of Law and was admitted to the District of Columbia Bar that same year. She was also one of the first women to be admitted to the D.C. Bar. Following her graduation, Ray started her own law office. Ray was a member of the National Association of Colored Women. She died in New York in 1911. Support comes from the Westport Library and the Westport Weston Chamber of Commerce, presenting Lockdown Music Festival at 7 p.m. Saturday, March 13th. 
Curated by Chris France of the Talking Heads and TomTom Tom Club and produced by the library's audio and video production arm, Verso Studios, this virtual concert celebrating optimism, resilience, and the power of music will feature Deep Banana Blackout, Zeno and Oaklander, The Zambonis, Mystic Bowie's Talking Dreads, Plastic Ivy, Sadie Dupuy, and Do-Right's Lulu Lewis. The concert will support neighborhood studios of Fairfield County, providing arts education to children and youths in Bridgeport. More information and tickets at westportlibrary.org. Our new home is under construction. WPKN's new studios in downtown Bridgeport are being renovated so we can move in this June. But what we really need to move is you. You can always help with our project by donating to nonprofit WPKN on our website. Just look for the little red moving truck. But we're also seeking in-kind donations of painting, carpentry, electrical and mechanical engineering, flooring and carpeting, moving services, corrugated boxes, office furniture, and signage. If you want to help build our home, please contact WPKN's general manager, Steve DiCostanzo, by email at gm at wpkn.org. Thanks. Wearing a mask helps prevent the spread of COVID-19. You should wear a mask when you are out in public or any time you are around someone who does not live in your household, if you are sick and interacting with others at home, and when you are caring for someone sick at home. Masks should not be worn by children under age 2, anyone who has trouble breathing, or anyone who can't take off the mask without help from another person. To learn more, visit cdc.gov coronavirus. Ponerse una mascarilla ayuda a prevenir la propagación del COVID-19. Usted debe ponerse una mascarilla cuando esté en lugares públicos o en cualquier momento en que esté cerca de alguien que no viva en su casa, si está enfermo e interactuando con los demás en casa, y cuando esté cuidando a alguien enfermo en casa. No deben ponerse una mascarilla los niños menores de dos años, quienes tengan problemas para respirar o quienes no se la puedan quitar sin la ayuda de alguien. Para informarse más, visite cdc.gov barra coronavirus-es. I donated my kidney at age 65 and initiated a kidney chain of three transplants. As 99% of non-directed donors will agree, it was the most satisfying experience in my life outside of raising my family. There are 100,000 people waiting for a kidney transplant. About 120 people will die today from kidney failure. You've got two kidneys. A healthy person only needs one. Donated kidneys save lives. More information at nkdo.org. Bank on New Haven is an initiative to connect residents with safe and affordable bank accounts. Our goal is to increase the number of banked individuals in New Haven by sharing information about accounts that have no overdraft fees and a low or no monthly cost. However, these accounts are not limited to New Haven. They're available nationwide at our participating banks. We also strive to connect people to free financial education resources in the community. For more information, you can go to cause.org slash bank on. That's C-A-H-S dot org slash B-A-N-K-O-N. 
Hi, this is Bob Anderson, host of A Little Bit of Everything. Here every first Saturday of the month and every second Friday of the month. And this is WPKN in Bridgeport, 89.5 FM, independent community radio broadcasting from the campus of the University of Bridgeport. Also streaming at WPKN.org. 